Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Fixate Phoenix podcast. We are praying that you are blessed by this week's message. If you would like to partner with the future of Fixate, you can visit fixatephx.com slash give. So God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can learn from your word. And God, I pray that it's never a thing or that I'm the example to follow God. May we point people here at Fixate to you, gazing upon you, gazing upon your presence, gazing upon your word, recognizing that it is the creator who creates. I could never create what you only can. So Father, I pray today that as we talk about sustainability, that God, we would be challenged, but more than anything, we would see the holistic lens in which sustainability functions as. The good, the bad, the in-between. So, Father, we thank you for this church, and we'll continue to be faithful. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. So, what's funny is I say that because I think uh, I was literally writing this sermon up this week, and uh, I was writing this sermon up this week, and as I was writing it up, I realized that I could probably preach on sustainability just forever, uh, because as something I've experienced and something I've Uh, both disappointment, but also seasons of full faith and God's promises being fulfilled, that it's such a cool lens that I can kind of speak through. But even more than that, I wanted to preface everything we talk about with sustainability kind of through this one uh, quote, and it's, you don't get get to the fun part unless you've done the hard part. And I believe a lot of the times what happens is in the beginning with, with Jesus, everything is fun. And it is. It's incredible. And I think a lot of the time, they're all to wear off or all, you know, once you get into it and blah, blah, blah. Listen, I'm a pastor's kid. I've only known church stuff. And I promise you, it's a little gnarly sometimes. (laughs) But I can tell you this, that the the fun part for me is the season that me and my wife are in. This is the funnest season for me because it has been full faith. And I think when it becomes not as much fun is when you've taken the faith out of your functionality as a human. It feels fun is because there's so much faith. Uh, there's this new way of thinking and functioning attached to faith in which we're looking through a different lens. But at the same time, I'm going to say this is there's a fun part in the beginning. And then there's a huge hard part when reality sets in of are you going to confront the idols in your life and remove them? Are you going to put God first in every sphere of influence, in every shred of your humanity? Are you going to put him first? Are you going to stay committed? Are you going to do the little things? Are you going to change the posture and the disposition of who you are as a person? Then all of a sudden it's like, wait, this this isn't as fun. It's like house cleaning permanently, just in my soul. Which Deborah and Jarrell had their whole house spotless at like 8.30 on Thanksgiving night. It was, he posted on his story and I just was like, bro, that is, you carried a cross that. But what I want to talk about, because sustainability is so fun to talk about to me, to what, what it means to walk with God through the ups and the downs, what it means to no matter what gets in your way, you stay faith's coming against you, to stay strong and to walk through those seasons and see God's goodness. Once again, I love talking about it, but I'll be honest, I don't know if a lot of us have really experienced that fullness And what I mean by that is I feel like a lot of the times in the church, what we do is we have a year or two of growth and then a year or two of inactivity. 
We have six months of growth and then we get offended and we leave. Or we have six months of growth and then, it can, and then we transpose our attention of God onto the attention of man. And what I see a lot of the times is, God, I really want to grow. I really want to seek you. I really want to be faithful. But there are time constraints and there are fun feelings that I want to attach to those things. Case in point, I uh, remember, so many of you guys don't know this, but I got into, um, I was skinny my whole life, tiny, I would say. I graduated at 100, um, the first time I like in my life, I was like, man, I'm going to work out. And I was about 25 years old, and I remember thinking to myself, man, who is the biggest dude I could physically call? By physically call, it's like you always physically call, I don't even know why I said that. Austin, it's good to have you in here now. (laughs) Vivi's asleep. Anyway, but I remember I had one friend who I'd always looked up to. He's been a a core friend even to this day. We talk still. Um, His name was Timmy. And Timmy was about 5'6", 245 pounds, just jacked out his mind. And I remember calling him and I'm like, Timmy, bro, I want to get on the grind. And Timmy had a similar story in which he was very, very small. He was like 130 pounds when he started working out. And then he just did it for decades. And now he's just a monster. Uh, But I remember calling him and saying, hey, can I work out with you? And he was like, absolutely, Micah. Like, this is going to be great. Let's do it together. And I was just like, yes. He's like, show up tomorrow. We're doing legs. Red flag if you haven't worked out. Red flag. If, I'm going to tell you this. If you want to work out and you want to start with legs, just don't do it. Just, like there's a... <laughs> oh. <laughs> People are like letting that sink in. They're like, dang, that's really true. Oh. So I remember I, I showed up and, and this is... So first red flag, leg day. Second red flag, he looked at me and we're warming up. And I remember we did like, we, we like warmed up a little and then he just like had me on a leg press machine and was like, hey, do 30 reps. And I was like, great. And we get done. It's been like 10 minutes and I'm a little shaky. And he's like, all right, we're done with the warm. For some of you guys who don't know what a thousand is, <laughs> it's a one in three zeros. <laughs> Not a one in two zeros, a one in three zeros. And so I remember I'm like, okay, a thousand reps. And like, you know, sometimes your friends say stuff and my friend was jokey. It's like, oh, he's probably joking. Oh, he wasn't kidding. So what's funny is, it's a good thing we counted the warm-up, and he was like, all right, we're up to like 120, only 880 more. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't uh, real strong as well. So you better believe I'm not going to tap before, I mean, I, at that day and age, I had views of womanhood that were different. <laughs> no. no, I was like, I was like, man, if his wife crushed, so it, we hit 500 reps, and I am dead serious. My legs, I could not stand. I could not move. I'm just rolling, right? And I'm like, dude, I've got to make this happen. Then we hit like 650, and I'm just like, dude, I'll never lift a weight again in my life, right? And you better believe I didn't even get to 700, and I didn't walk for a week and a half. It's like one of those where like you, if, if you know people who are just starting out on legs, it's like you try to sit down, and you just like fall into the chairs. Like did that for eight months. No, I'm kidding. But the reason I tell that story is because somebody, right, he had a strength that I didn't have. So I asked what he did to acquire that strength. And then I just thought I could jump in and do everything. 
And I want to say this, I believe there are baby steps in faith to acquire us to get to the levels of of spence is we come from places of spiritual inactivity and we get around spiritual people and just say, oh, I'll never be like that. Man, one of my biggest pet peeves, and in all honesty, it's something that I struggled with at the church that we came from, is I felt like I functioned certain ways and people would look at me and, oh, that's just how Micah does things. Oh, that's just how Micah is. Oh, that's just, man, Micah's just different. And I pray if you, if you come to that church that that thought never enters your mind because faith isn't for Micah, faith is for you. And how I function and what I believe, I, I'll say this, I was actually, me and, me and something that shifts in, in, in my gifting and in my kind of calling is essentially, I think a lot of the times what we don't realize is the parable of the talents when we hide things in the ground or when we reproduce. Reproducing isn't you reproducing, it isn't me reproducing spiritually. Reproducing for me is when I take the things that I have and I give them freely to others and walk with them in that and see them adopt a lifestyle they didn't have and then become a... A lot of the times what happens is, is just like I looked at Timmy and said, bro... Let's get into it. And he's like, great, you can do my workout. Some of you guys maybe won't be able to do the workout that spiritually me and my wife, even because we have more time, we do, this is our kind of focus. But I'll say this, you can do things. And sustainability, depth, discipline, and sacrifice, the reason we kind of labeled sustainability at the end is because if we have habits of depth and choices of discipline that help us understand and frame sacrifice, we will be sustainable. And what's sad to me today is we want sustainability with God, him to get us through everything, everything to go great, and us to never have any problems. But we don't have the depth, the discipline, or the understanding of sacrifice in order for us to walk fully in the sustainable ability that God wants us to do. And what I want to do is I'm going to actually talk about it today. Because sustainability to me is, if you weren't here last week, we talked about the... Uh, the parable or uh, the passage of scripture talked about what oil was and all these shameless plug. You can look it up on our podcast online. I think it's fix APHX on any podcast platform. It's a little cutting in and out right now, but we just don't care. <laughs> it's like my mom texted me that this week. Hey mom, she listens every week. Um, but what I want to do though, is I love reframing sustainability through the lens of can you get through the bad. All of your spirituality is, can you get through the dry, the broken, the sadness, the bad? Because I'm going to tell you this, and I've said, you'll hear me say it a billion times. We don't follow Jesus because it's easy. We follow Jesus because it's worth it. And I believe a lot of the times what happens is we come to Jesus hoping that it gets easier. No, it, it don't get easier. I'll never forget the first time I got asked the question. You talk to somebody when they ask you, why do good things or why do bad things happen to good people? It's the question that hopefully all of us have thought through because in my mind, it's the number one question people are asking outside of the church. Why would I sign up for a church if I'm still going to go through bad stuff? Why would I follow Jesus if I still am going to go through things? And I remember in the moment, I'd been confronted with it, and I never processed what it meant. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I remember in that moment, I just was quiet, and the Lord just gave me words. And I said, the worst thing happened to the most perfect person, and we're called to live in his example 
And I'll never forget it because I said it and I was like, man, that's good. And then I'm like starting to process it and I'm like, wow, that sounds not good. The worst happened to the most perfect and I'm supposed to live in his example. See, this is what we're looking through within sustainability is if we're called to look like Jesus, be like Jesus and function as Jesus and we forget that he was crucified, but resurrected, but still crucified. I just want the crucifixion and I'm right there with you. But there's a refining fire. Like silver purified seven times, like gold purified. See, what happens in the purification process is the value of what's being purified increases. And I think a lot of us, we don't want to be purified and purged of the, of the fleshliness of our world and carnality of our manhood. But I'm going to say this. Purification the refinement of it is the increasing in value of what's being purified. Once again, we hear like all the fluffy stuff in church, but this one's like not a fluffy one. Psalm 66, 12, you made men ride over our heads. Amen, God, bring it in, Father, more. (laughs) We went through fire and water, yet you brought us. See, I'm not even focusing on the abundance part because I think that we need to focus on the you brought us, God. And I'm the one who provides the abundance. I seek God not because I trust that he's going to provide abundantly. I trust God because he's the only one getting me through. So I'm going to read this again. You made men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, yet you brought us to a place of abundance. Today, where we're going to spend most of our time is in two passages of Scripture talking about the exact same thing. Similar to last week, we're just going to unpack the whole passage, Mark 14, 32 um, through 42, and then Luke 22, 39 through verse 46. So many of us will recognize this passage, but I just want to ask some questions and probe some thoughts around this. And this is Jesus in the garden. And if you know what's happening is Jesus knows the hour is coming. He knows he's about to be crucified. And he also knows that this is going to be a rough night. And so what he does is he goes to the garden and we see, in my opinion, the clearest. So let's read. It says this. They came to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here until I've prayed. Now, many of you guys, I want to stop because I want to frame this passage and help you understand that this If you look at one of the Old Testament's uh, most pivotal characters, David, this is actually the spot that David ran to, Gethsemane and the Mount of Olives. In 2 Samuel, I have it written down here, 1530, David runs to this garden when he is facing the worst day of his life. He just usurped his kingdom from him. He's literally set up a tent on the roof and slept with all of his concubines. And so everybody could see he had t- stolen his number one advisor, Ahithophel. And so essentially, David runs to the exact spot that Jesus is in locationally. This garden. This Mount of Olives. God's similar to what David did in the Old Testament in crying out and trusting God. Jesus is now doing in the New Testament in the same geographic location. It says this, and he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. 
And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began praying that if it were possible, that the hour would pass by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. And he came and found them asleep and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? I love it. It's like James and John are there, but Jesus is like, yeah, but I yell at Peter. (laughs) Peter deserves it all the time. Anyway, keep watching and praying so you will not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to say to reply to him. And he came a third time and said to him, Are you still sleeping and resting? That is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the son is being betrayed, one who is betraying me. Now, this actual passage of scripture is not found in the Gospel of John. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, what's interesting is if you put Matthew and Mark kind of side by side, they have very, very similar recollections, almost like line by line repeating, like Mark read off of Matthew and then was like, all right, we're just going to maybe copy and paste this one over. But Luke has a completely different recollection. So we've read through Matthew. Now let's read through Matthew. And, and frames this entire uh, moment way differently than Matthew and Mark do. So let's read. It says this. <clears throat> and he came out and went, as was his habit, to the Mount of Olives. Now what's interesting to me, once again, is we've already established this place's symbolism as it pertains to um, King David and where he ran when Absalom just took everything from him. But Jesus has went to this place by habit. Now, I think it's meaning this isn't just a place he visited in his worst day. It's a place that he's visited when it's good, when it's bad, when it's in between, when ministry's exploding, when he's sweating blood. And it's almost this place, and this is kind of where we're framing sustainability, is these habits in which no matter what is going on, we stick with it. We're faithful. We're committed. We're in scripture. We're in the sanctuary. We're communicating with the spirit and following the spirit's leading. We're sacrificing for our neighbor. We're staying. See these, once again, habit. Let's keep going. It says this. Verse 40. Now when he arrived at that place, he said to them, pray that you do not come into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throne. He knelt down and began to pray saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood. And how we know this is because <clears throat> if you actually study his life, it's, it's a very common knowledge that Luke is a physician. And in my opinion, Luke is my favorite gospel because of how detail-oriented he is. What's fascinating about this medical condition is this. Um, This is actually, sweating drops of blood is not a one-time phenomenon. It's something that's been around for a long time. And we don't know if Luke had been in a place in which he'd seen this happen before, but he's chronicling this almost as a doctor is chronicling um, symptoms and things named for this condition. And the name is hematoidrosis. And what's funny is this, hematoidrosis is actually a condition in which it's chronicled in six cases that men who were condemned to execution, listen to this, 
had a response of acute fear and intense mental contemplation that caused this condition to come forth. Think about that. And in six cases, have exhibited the exact same thing Jesus went through because of the mental weight of what they're about to go through and and their fear of what they're dealing with. That's pretty crazy to me. Let's keep reading. It says this. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. We're going to talk about the reasons the disciples were sleeping because I think they're important for us to understand. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you do not come in to temptation. What I want to do today with just a few more minutes is talk about, give you a few points on how to sustain when you know there will be pain. How do you sustain when then you know that there's going to be pain? Because Jesus sets this example, and in my opinion, sustainability is not what you do when things are going good. It's who you are when things are going bad. And I think a lot of the times, man, if it, when it feels good and it feel, meets the need and everything's going great, but you find out a lot about what you believe and a lot about who you are when it's hard. So the first one is this. Number one, realize the cup will not be taken. It is now yours to drink. You need to become intensely focused on where you pull your strength from. Listen to this for a second, right? And an angel shows up. How many of you guys know, if we like said a prayer, it's like, man, this is brutal, God. I need your help. And a literal angel ascends, like, that's a great place to be. I'm like, okay, we're going to get through it. Directly after the angel shows up, Jesus starts to sweat blood. I, I mean, maybe some of us have read this before, but we're not understanding, right? An angel comes down when he prays for strength, meets him. There's a realization sometimes, and I want to say this to you, is Jesus' first words was, take this cup from me, but his second words were, but not my will, but yours be done. And I want to say this to you. I think a lot of the times what we want is God to take the cup, and what God wants to do is us to call out to him and find strength in him. But I'm going to take it a step further. I believe that there are habits and attributes that reinforce the strength of our hearts and our lives that we have to model because I think when we go through hard things, we're not looking for strength. We're looking for the thing to numb. We're looking for the thing just to get us through. We're looking for the thing to just help us along the way, just find our footing. And I want to challenge you within this because if you pull from the wrong things, then expect the process to be longer, messier, and possibly feel like it will never end. If you're pulling from the wrong things, and you're saying, God, I need your strength, but I'm going to grab this comfort. I'm going to grab this vice. I'm going to grab this thing that numbs it. I'm going to tell you this. It'll be longer. It'll be messier. And it'll feel like it never ends. And Jesus... He reached for the strength from the angel and then sweat the blood. What does that mean? Is yes, he was strengthened, but he was still going through it. And I think a lot of us, what we attribute strength through is God, take me out of this. Instead of God, I'm going to trust you and follow you. And I know you're going to get me through this. Sustainability is just good seasons 
In all honesty, he created it more than anything for the bad ones. For when you don't know, for when you can't see, for when you're struggling to feel, trusting that his strength can get you through. Mark 14 actually says, right, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I love Jesus' even realization, a perfect human, right? My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. The cup wasn't removed. The angel was sent, but the cup was not removed. I'm going to kind of talk about this, but the reasonings. Number two is this, fight to not fall asleep from heaviness or sorrow. In Luke's passage, it says one time Jesus went, and as he came back, he found his disciples asleep from heaviness And then in the second time he leaves and comes back, it says that he finds them asleep from sorrow. And I want to say this and and be uh, as conscientious as I can, but also as forward as I can be. I would say the enemy's goal today is, is to get you asleep. It's to get you to kind of just settle down. And not realize that that sorrow and heaviness are things that we will absolutely process in this life. But if that process leads us to falling asleep on the awareness of God's goodness, the awareness that God loves us, the awareness that God has a plan for us, the awareness that God wants to use us, if if they never see the good... And I want to challenge your reality today because I believe sometimes we've been in situations and seasons where heaviness and sorrow, absolutely we should be feeling. But if heaviness and sorrow reframe our ability to see God or just completely cloud it or shut our eyes to it, then I'm telling you this, the enemy has won. Sustainability is the awareness that there will be heaviness and there will be sorrow, but my eyes will be open. Just like the bridegroom, he could have came in the day when everybody would have saw him, but he came in the night when the only the people with the oil of the flame could see him. And I believe a lot of the times we're praying for incredible encounters from God. And I'll say this, the most incredible encounters from God have been in situations and seasons of not the best for me. And I think we can only feel God, sense God, or be a part of God when it's good. I'm telling you, there is so much. Amen. I want to challenge you on this. I'm not saying to not grieve. I'm not saying not to process. I'm just saying do not fall asleep to the Spirit and check out. As well as please find people who will force you awake. Who will shake you awake who will not let you become asleep to your calling, asleep to your purpose, asleep to who God wants you to become, asleep to the power in which you could possess, asleep to who he wants you to be. And I think that's the hardest thing to admit is that sometimes we need people who will shake us awake. Jesus came back multiple times to awake them, and you remember what his reasoning was? And keep watch. When we surround ourselves with people who will awaken us in the spiritual sluggishness that we feel and allow them to speak to us and say, hey, keep watch because there's something coming. Your need to be in community 
is directly tied to your need to be around people who will not let you sleep through this life spiritually, but will shake you awake and say, there's something to watch for. There's something to keep your eyes open around. There's something that God wants to do. My last point is this. Verse three. Reframe prayer from escape and intervention to personal What's sad to me is this, is in this day and age, I do not, do not get me wrong, I'm not saying don't believe for God to do miraculous and incredible things, right? Miracle. That's this girl's name. I just met her. Fantastic name. It's like, I got slain talking to her. I'm like, what's your name? Miracle. I'm like, I receive it, God. <laughs> I'm like on the floor, God, thank you, Father. You want to preach today, Miracle? <laughs> I don't know why that was so great. Believe that a lot of us, all we've prayed for is God to do everything for us, get us out of everything hard. And then when that doesn't happen, there's a deconstructive theology that sets in that, well, if I'm going through bad, does that mean God is good? Well, if I'm going through difficult, does that mean his yoke is easy? Man, don't, don't even get me started on that one. We quote that one all the time. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But then we forget that he literally defines how that yoke is easy and burden is light because it says, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And I read it like, hey, as long as I'm gentle and humble of heart, God has a yoke that is easy for me. And a lot of us, what we want is the easy yoke, but no gentleness and no humbleness. It's like, don't even get me started on it. It's like the thing that we should be known for as a community of believers is gentleness and humbleness. But what we really want is just easy. Thank you, Amy. I pray that we are not just praying prayers. God, get me out. God, get me through. God, just do this for me. God, I just hope it just happens. God, whatever it takes. Instead of praying prayers of God, I trust you're going to get me through. I trust that the gold is going to be purified. I trust that you're creating something of more value in me. God, I trust that on the other side, you'll give me the the ability to look back and know that you had a plan. And know that what you're playing was better. And even in this day and age, I'll say this, there are going to be some things in life where genuinely there will not be a resurrection and teed up my mind and silenced myself to the point where, listen, I will always trust in, yes, there is crucifixion moments and yes, there are resurrection moments. And if I never get to either one end of that spectrum on earth, there will be a resurrection in heaven that will make all wrongs right. And for a lot of us, we've, get, we've gotten so tied up in the, well, God, just get me through. God, just get me out. God, instead of God, use this process. Mold me and shape me. I don't under, I give it to you. I may not see the other side right now, but I trust at some point, someday. And even if I never get to that cog right, See, that's what sustainability is, is us getting to that place where in the good and in the bad, we're still trucking. Two passages of scripture in closing, Psalms 51 verse 8, this is David, let me hear joy and gladness, let the bones you have broken rejoice. In another translation, it says, let the bones you have crushed Sing your praise. Think about that. To have that depth 
of faith in God that you have crushed my bones, but I pray that they sing. That is, that's like, that will preach. Job 13, 15, I have said this one and I stand on this one so much. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And actually, if you read the passage after this, it says, and I will maintain my own. It's because Job is arguing with his friends and saying, I have been righteous. I have been faithful. I have stayed true. I have put God first. And in this passage, he's essentially saying, though he may slay me, I'm going to trust him. I'll maintain my righteousness before him. Even when I'm going through something, I don't feel like I deserve. Though he slays, I trust. Though the bones have been broken, may they rejoice. Challenge of every believer to understand the depth, scripture, and the spirit disciplines the sanctuary and the Sabbath, sacrifice for our neighbors and in generosity. When we stir these ingredients together, we might find that we have a faith that will lead us through the darkest nights. Let's stand to our feet. If you could, um, I read out a prayer over all of us directly related to the message. Whatever your posture of receptivity is, I pray that this this prayer would, would be something spoken over you. And maybe some of you guys who are in difficult seasons or are struggling to understand, if that's you and you want this prayer just as something to read and recite over your life, I'd love to give it to you after service. But I just want to pray this over you. Father, today, would you help us understand that it is not up to us the cup we drink from? That sometimes we will go through things as believers in which there is no explanation and there is no plan. And that in this place, our sustainability in you will be tested. Father, we welcome the testing of our faith. Crucible every time the pressure is passed, the value is increased. Reframe our imagination to see the hard and dark things we go through in a fallen world as opportunities for our faith's value to increase. That we would not just be people who pray for the cup to pass from us, but also we would be the people who would call on your strength to get through the trials. Oh God, when we feel the heaviness and sorrow of this world that hollows out our sense of direction and puts asnesia to our faith, may we fight to stay awake. Fight to believe in your goodness when our theology is confronted with a broken world. May we fight to stay awake to the angel that strengthens, the spirit that carries, and the word that transforms. We do not seek to escape every who when the bad things come, wait eagerly for a God who can resurrect, restore, and renew the hopelessness of creation. We choose faith. We choose a life of communing prayer. We choose to not be defeated by unmet expectation, detour, and delay. We drink willingly and 
and steadfast from whatever cup is given in this life. For we know our houses have not been built on sand. They've been built on an unshakable.